listening to the Arkansas AgCast, where we discuss the latest news, trends, and issues impacting Arkansas farmers and ranchers. Our show is brought to you by the Arkansas Farm Bureau Federation and hosted by Rob Anderson and Jason Brown. Well, uh, Brian, something's a little off. Uh, we are down a man. <laughs> what is? Apparently, so. She says Rob Anderson. That, and Rob's not here. That, I thought he'd pop in any minute, but yeah. uh, he's not here. Well, we have. We'll, yeah, I guess you're going to have to call thing. him. I mean. On occasion, <clears throat> he'll have to wake me up from a nap. I'll have to wake him up from a nap. Let me see if I can. Uh, he knows we started too, so that's you know um, what that's true. Let's let's call him here and see. Hello, hello, Rob. Yes, it's me. Hey, man, it's a uh, it's two o'clock on Thursday. Anything on your calendar? Oh, look, I, I'm sorry I can't be there with you guys today. I'm out here doing a uh, hard-hitting piece on this CDC recommendation not to uh, kiss or hug your poultry. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just kidding, and I know we've had a little chuckle at that, but in yeah. all seriousness, uh, the CDC did say something about that, but it's only because there's been a salmonella outbreak. Okay, You do have to be careful how you handle your backyard poultry. That's all that is. Just okay. making a little joke. I really wish I could be there with you guys today, but yeah. I've got a little one at home. was a little under the weather. got to help her go to the doctor. I know you'll be out next week, yeah. so I'll be flying solo. So I just want to wish you guys good luck today. Yeah, uh, man. I know it's I know it's not the same without me. It's not. Brian uh, is uh, does a great job uh, filling in, and we'll certainly miss you, but I uh, hope everybody at home gets to feel better. And, uh, yeah, you'll be taking over for me next week while I'm uh, – Got my toes in the sand, so thanks. Yeah, yeah, you you have a you have a more fun excuse. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. Well, thanks in advance, man, and uh, y'all have a good one, and uh, and we'll we'll try Thank and do you. this thing without you. Uh, all right, best of luck, Brian. Knock him dead. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate it. <laughs> all <laughs> right, see ya. All right, see you guys. All right, well, your day just got a lot more interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh, let's see how much I can uh, juggle here. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we talked a few, you know, Brian's look, it's not your first time. It's not. You've done this <laughs> once before. Uh, I will tell you though, if you know, I've shared this before. If you, if you did not uh, tune into the episode where uh, Brian uh, sat in for Rob uh, once before, uh, he uh, controls all the audios, everything you hear in this podcast. And for those watching the live stream, which you can catch on Facebook and YouTube every Thursday at 2 p.m., uh, for those watching, um, Brian controls everything you see, the little zoom-ins on the camera, the, the, the stream, everything. So he's now going to balance another plate and help me read the news today. Hopefully all will go without a... <laughs> any hitches or anything not only that (laughs) but i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you to go first how about that let's dive in well here we go then all right Uh, you can do it all right well first up we have some news that comes from the american farm bureau okay the u.s solicitor general 
one of the highest ranking officials in the Department of Justice, mm-hmm. filed a brief to the U.S. Supreme Court in support of a challenge to California's Proposition 12. The state law seeks to ban the sale of pork from hogs that don't meet California's production standards, even if the pork was raised on farms outside of California. Mm-hmm. The American Farm Bureau Federation and National Pork Producers Council filed the challenge, arguing Proposition 12 violates the U.S. Constitution's Commerce Clause. Okay. In the amicus brief, Solicitor General Elizabeth Prelogger argues that AFBF and MPPC have stated a valid claim that Proposition 12 violates the Constitution and will create burdens in the interstate commerce. AFBF President Zippy Duvall said the Solicitor General provides a powerful argument against the arbitrary production standards imposed by Proposition 12. It's significant to have the Justice Department recognize the validity of our concerns and realize the unintended consequences of this misguided law. Okay. He continued, we share the goal of ensuring animals are well cared for. But Proposition 12 fails to advance animal health or food safety. Instead, it will make caring for animals more difficult and drive up the cost for food for families across America. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but that last statement, you know, right now with rising costs everywhere, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's hitting us everywhere. Yeah, that says a lot. It's all over the place. Yeah. Well, I know this is is a fight that um, Farm Bureau has been in for, for quite a while. And, uh, uh, you know, looks like, uh, looks like some, some forward progress there, uh, positive, uh, positive for, for producers. So yes, glad to see that, uh, a good story. And, uh, thank you. Thank you for bringing that, that one. Well, let's move on to, uh, to a topic that we've covered more than a, more than a couple of times on the show, uh, but want to continue, uh, bringing information, uh, to you on. And that is the, um, you know, we've talked a lot about, like I said, the Senate Ag Committee field hearing uh, that occurred last week in Jonesboro. So let's follow up uh, just with a little bit of reporting from that event uh, before we move on um, <coughs> to other topics. Uh, according to committee staff and others, uh, Arkansas had a great turnout in Jonesboro uh, for the field hearing to discuss the upcoming Farm Bill uh, reauthorization. Uh, our Arkansas Farm Bureau President Rich Hillman gave opening testimony alongside Dr. Mickey Latour, the Dean of the College of Agriculture at Arkansas State. Uh, The committee had the opportunity to hear from a variety of witnesses during the hearing. Those witnesses uh, were divided into two panels and included all all Arkansans. Um, The panel one uh, included Nathan Reed, Brad Doyle, Anna Marie uh, Doramus, uh, John McAlpine, Mark Morgan, and Jennifer James. And that panel represented the perspective of Arkansas commodities, conservation, and outdoor recreation. Uh, additionally, the second uh, there was a second panel um, to address the senators, as I mentioned, and those panelists included Greg Cole, Elizabeth Bowles, Buddy Hasten, uh, Rhonda Sanders, and Dennis Sternberg. Uh, that panel represented farm lending, rural utilities, feeding programs, and these are these are my terms. So, um, so you know, good representation across that uh, rural community uh, and and commodity uh, spectrum there. 
the the hearing lasted nearly three hours. Senator Stabenow, uh, Republican from Michigan, who's the chair of the Senate Ag Committee, she noted that many the many similarities between Michigan and Arkansas agriculture and said she was especially interested in the perspective of cotton and rice producers in the state, which she obviously got a chance to hear from uh, at the at the meeting. Uh, we were in attendance. There were several Arkansas Farm Bureau, Farm Bureau staff, board members, uh, members uh, in attendance. Um, truly, the event was well attended. Uh, farmers had well a great representation there. Uh, I think uh, following the event, um, there was some good media coverage of, of the event. So, uh, you know, just do a quick Google search if you're interested in hearing more in-depth coverage. Uh, after the hearing, um, the senators uh, went on a farm, small farm tour, um, abbreviated farm tour, I guess I should say. And, um, yeah, it was it was a really, really great moment for agriculture in the state of Arkansas. Yeah, and it's it pretty significant to note that it's mm-hmm. – uh, you know, we haven't had a field hearing like this in the state since uh, Blanche Lincoln was uh, yeah. senator. And, um, yeah. So that's pretty significant. Uh, yeah. Uh, it was a big deal. Yes. And glad they had it. Uh, ironically, she was the last one to be nominated for the, the Golden Plow, to receive the Golden Plow. Um, yeah. Just like Senator Bozeman. Senator Bozeman. Yeah. Um, which I guess we should point out uh, – we're, we're going to present that to him at O&L. Uh, there will be a presentation at uh, our officers and leaders next month. Yeah, that's right. Next month in uh, in the Rogers, we will be presenting him with the Golden Plow. If you don't know, it's so a Golden Plow. I say we will be. American Farm Bureau will be. Uh, the Golden Plow is is given to um, a legislator who is uh, making a difference for the ag industry, and, and Senator Bozeman will receive that recognition in Rogers um, in July at offices. Yes. So great point. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up, Brian. See, yeah, you bet. Really? <clears throat> yeah. Well, speaking of the uh, Senate Ag Committee, we're back. They were back in D.C. Uh, and addressing some issues around livestock this week. Okay. Uh, in fact, according to AgriPulse, the committee approved bills yesterday authorizing USDA to mandate minimum levels of cash trading in cattle and establish a special investigator's office in USDA to probe allegations of unfair marketing practices. Okay. Uh, The Cattle Price Discovery and Transparency Act of 2022 was approved with opposition from Arkansas John Bozeman, the committee's ranking member, and Senator Roger Marshall, of, of Kansas. Uh, Bozeman said that if not for the mandatory minimums of the, in the legislation, he would support it. Mm-hmm. The bills are opposed by the National Cattlemen's Beef Association and North American Meat Institute. Previously, 21 State Farm Bureau presidents signed a letter opposing the Cattle Price Discovery and Transparency Act, saying leadership, leading economists have determined that a federal mandate in the market will cost cow, calf, and stock operators anywhere from fifty to eighty-five dollars per head, if not more, on the price they receive for their cattle. Yeah, yeah, this is a uh, this is good. There's some good insight there from uh, Cattlemen's and, and the Meat Institute, um, and uh, certainly. AgriPulse has more from Senator Bozeman, more verbatims uh, 
from him there if you if you want to hear specifically what he said but i mean we we summed it up here i mean really nicely you know that the mandatory minimums in the legislation were a concern for him so mm. uh okay well good good always good to have uh cattle and livestock news here on the here on the show well back to the farm bill really quickly uh, but moving over to the house side in dc a bit of news from uh an arkansas legislator on the house ag committee so we talked a lot about the senate ag committee i thought we'd we'd give the uh the house ag committee a little love too uh, congressman rick crawford shared with agripulse uh, as part of their newsmakers panel I guess it's AgriPulse Day. Uh, <laughs> as part of their newsmakers panel, that he wants the commodity programs in the next farm bill to reflect the current economic situation for farmers. Certainly, farmers listening to the podcast will be familiar with this. But uh, keeping uh, with the with some of the input we heard in Jonesboro from growers last week, uh, Congressman Crawford has encouraged lawmakers to take a look at reference prices in the new farm bill. Uh, the price loss coverage. Uh, program plc as we often call it which is uh, added in the 2014 farm bill issues payments when the coverage annual price for a commodity drops below a certain threshold uh, congressman crawford and those testifying at the hearing in uh in jonesboro asked that a farm bill the farm bill take a fresh look at those reference prices uh, just to be clear um, this is not testimony from crawford at that at the hearing in Jonesboro, I'm just saying that they were both 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 saying some of the same things. <laughs> uh, Congressman Crawford said, for example, in the price loss coverage program, uh, we're dealing with a cost model that reflects 2012 production costs. Uh, it wasn't indexed. So therefore now in 2022, 10 years later, we're behind the eight ball on those programs. And so I think you're going to have I think you're going to have to bring that into current levels and then index it. So just real simply, you know, those, those reference prices were set in 2012. We're in 2022 looking at a 2023 reauthorization. Think about the things that have changed, especially financially in that time. Um, especially with some of the unique challenges we're seeing with input costs, uh, things like that this year. So anyway, um, you know, we'll we'll definitely continue to keep an eye on this and, and all conversations related to the farm bill. Yeah. Um, I mean and, ten years is a huge, huge gap. Yeah. When it comes to pricing and that's not even taking into account the the year we're in right now. Yeah. But, I mean rising costs everywhere. So Yeah. That, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean just this year we and I think, you know, somewhat it's a it's you know uh, it, it was historic jumps that we saw this year on input costs, you know, but you know, I mean, we saw 300 plus percent increases this year. Yeah. So, you know, a challenge. We have some good representation here mm-hmm. um, in the state. I'm very thankful for um, men like uh, representative Crawford and mm-hmm. Senator Bozeman. They're doing a good job. Yeah. Um, uh, well, you know, how about we take a break from, uh, from from some of this news and uh, let's learn how how uh arkansas farm bureau how you can be a champion in your community yeah your arkansas farm bureau membership supports our work on behalf of arkansas farmers ranchers and rural communities around the state from youth leadership programs and academic scholarships to hunger relief and disaster support and much more 
you can make a difference and be a champion for your community. Join today at ARFB.com. Did you know that a $40 annual Arkansas Farm Bureau membership contributes to the work being done in your local community and also the agriculture advocacy work we do at the state and national level? Your membership truly matters for farmers and communities across the state. And I, I really do mean that. So uh, incredibly important to, to be an Arkansas Farm Bureau member. Mm-hmm. Well, let's, uh, let's get back to the news here. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about crop quality uh, and weather and, and, and quantity, I guess I should say. Um, as we mentioned last week, we're, uh, con- we've considered planting complete. I uh, ha- had a chance to be in the, uh, in the Delta uh, yesterday, and I think, I, think that's, I think that's a safe bet. Um, there may be a few outliers and hopefully no replants, but for the purposes of this conversation, you know, we've moved on from planting and into growing, I guess. Yes. Uh, we saw very little rain across the state this week. Uh, what has made it to the ground has been pretty spotty. Uh, the high heat and humidity this week will be good for some crops, not for my um, electricity bill, um, <laughs> but certainly good for some crops like cotton. We're seeing a lot of poly pipe being rolled out in fields across the state. Uh, was on a farm doing just that yesterday, yeah. a farm that will uh, roll out 31 miles of poly pipe um, this year. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, and... Um, you know, that's all a, a water saving, a, a sustainability, you know, concept, yes. you know. Yes. Uh, anyway, sorry, I, I digress. Uh, yeah, so we're seeing a lot of poly pipe being rolled out. It's time to get some water on uh, on some of the crops. Uh, without going through the actual numbers, we'll, we continue to see a healthy crop outlook with most of the row crops at 70% good to excellent rating across the state uh, based on USDA reporting. Uh, I took a look at the uh, Arkansas Row Crops blog. Shout out to those guys. And Jared Hardkey says we're moving uh, really at the speed of light. Um, he also said he's hoping for a 4th of July rain, uh, you know, in that in that time frame next week or so to help the rice crop out a bit too. Uh, Jared says the disease pressure looks pretty good right now, but he's continuing to monitor that. Uh, probably knocking on some wood. I don't want to put words in your mouth, Jared, but probably <laughs> knocking on some wood there. Uh, our team actually got to catch up with him yesterday, I believe, and talk about this year's rice crop. Uh, he's got some insight about why acreage numbers aren't quite what they seem. Brian, do you mind to play that clip from Jared? Sure. In an even-numbered year like this one, we've talked about this a lot through through the spring and the winter, we would normally expect to see 1.4, 1.5 million acres of rice. We do a an annual kind of up-down rotation, 1.1 or so million acres in an odd-numbered year, 1.4 plus in an even-numbered year. So we're expected to be around 1.1 million acres this year. That doesn't sound like much of a decline from last year's 1.2 million until you look at it through the lens of where we normally rotate to, to that, to that much higher number. So as far as the, the, the state is concerned and the, the state's rice industry is concerned, it's a much bigger reduction than it looks like on paper one, one year to the next. So that part's going to be concerning for the industry this year and certainly what happens going into next year. That's good context. You see that number, uh, 1.1, and you think, oh, pretty on par from last year, you know, and then, but that, that, 
that sort of uh, uh, ebb and flow that he's talking about when you know we're we're in the valley when we should be at a peak and because it's an even year that's really interesting that's the first time i've i've heard that yeah uh, yeah uh, that's really interesting and always great to hear from dr harkey uh and the other crop specialists uh from the university i know we are going to take the rest of that interview and publish it uh as a video yes so if you're interested in what dr harkey has to say about the um about the uh the rice crop right now uh keep an eye out this week or early next I can tell you we are going to have a chat with Dr. Jason Kelly tomorrow, uh, have the same conversation about corn, and look forward to sharing that, and we'll continue on. We're sort yeah. of starting with the earliest crop in the ground and moving to the to the la, la, later yeah, crops in the ground. Try so. to keep having regular crop updates and, uh, and yep. hear from specialists all over the state. So Yeah, it's really good. good. Good information. So anyway, you know, keep an eye out. Uh, speaking of another specialty crop, we're, we're right in the middle of uh, locally grown produce season, and mm-hmm. uh, I've got a, a cool fact about blackberries. Okay. All right. Sure. Uh, blackberry growing has grown in Arkansas. I see what you did uh-huh. there. I see, I see what you yeah. did there. Where's your... <laughs> I should have, but, uh, you know, <laughs> I can only do so many things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, many people may not realize it, but many of the blackberry varieties grown and sold around the country... Were developed right here in the state huh. uh, through the University of Arkansas, and particularly, particularly uh, by Dr. John Clark. Oh, our friend, Dr. John Clark. Our friend, Dr. John Clark. Uh, he's a university distinguished professor, and uh, with a uh, University of Arkansas, the uh, he is professor of horticulture, mm-hmm. uh, who is also a member of the Agriculture Hall of Fame here in okay. Arkansas. Yep. Uh, he's a bit of a celebrity in the world of fruit production. That he is. Uh, to find out more about blackberries in Arkansas, you can visit the Arkansas Blackberry Growers Association at arkansasblackberry.org, and you can find them on Facebook. Okay. And uh, might be able to stumble across some uh, custom music. I knew you were. I knew I it. Mean, I knew it. I, you can't I talk about Dr. You, Clark. You can't talk about Dr. And Clark and not talk about music. And it, his you know, incredible guitar skill. Honestly, I should have him here reading. The, he's got an incredible voice. He's, <laughs> he, he's very talented. He does. And um, the man knows a lot about blackberries. So little known fact. So I guess this is going to be a Dr. Clark uh, se- segment. But little known fact about him. Uh, the university will produce videos of him talking about specialty crops and yeah. you know blackberries or or grapes or whatever it is yeah and they're often backed by music um uh that dr clark writes a lot of that music he composes a lot of that himself he does. um sometimes he even plays it so they show you know footage of him playing yeah. that music in um, the videos and some uh, of the some of the videos that uh that we've produced um he gave us a little music to go as a music bed underneath there. Yeah. Uh, that's, you know, it's so it's, cool. It is really cool. Yeah. Um, you know, well, you know, if you're interested in hearing more, uh, about Dr. Clark, uh, or he- hearing more from him, uh, this podcast is a great place to start. Um, you can just look us up on iTunes and search for his name or search for his name on the, on the website. But here's what I'm going to tell you. Like, he he and I, I I interviewed him one time. I thought it was going to be like twenty minutes. We talked for <laughs> over an hour. Uh, surprise if I'm involved, but um, he is the one who told me that Arkansas the 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 basics 
the basic some of the basic genetics of the cotton candy grape came from Arkansas as well. Really? Yeah, the wow. very popular cotton candy grape. So, and he can just sit there and rattle off like, oh, this variety, this variety, that variety. He can tell you which ones were created by mistake, kind of. And, and anyways, fascinating guy to talk to. Uh, wine grapes are involved in there. Obviously, blackberries. I had some of his blackberries last week. Um, I'm jealous. Just, uh, you know, go to our podcast or go to our YouTube channel and look up uh, Dr. John Clark and you'll you'll be able to learn a lot about the fruit production industry yeah. and creation yeah. industry, I guess, in, in Arkansas. Anyway, all right. That's my doc. You can tell I'm kind of a fan of Dr. Clark. <laughs> and, yes, he does have a, a voice for yeah. for radio. He does. Uh, un- unlike myself. <laughs> uh, all right. Wrapping up the news of the day. I ought to get out of here, I guess. I'm feeling, <laughs> feeling the vacation vibes, man. I'm telling you, I am. Well deserved. I mean, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm feeling it. All right, wrapping up the news for the day. There's been a lot of talk this week about the national about a national gas tax holiday. Uh, so we've got a few details to share. Most importantly, I want to note uh, no official action has been taken as of now, um, unless it's happened since two o'clock when we started. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're simply just sharing some of the current conversation around this topic. Uh, reportedly, President Biden is considering a national uh, gas tax holiday up to three months to give relief uh, with current fuel prices, uh, pausing the 18.4 cents per gallon federal gasoline tax and the 22.4 cents per gallon federal diesel uh, tax uh, could reduce prices for consumers uh, and others during the peak driving season, uh, which is now summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike Steenhook uh, executive director of the soybean transportation coalition has put pencil to paper on the savings here and calculated an average savings for motorists of 28 cents per day around 25 dollars total over the three-month holiday if that's if that's where if that were to take place uh, for farmers the story's a little bit different obviously there's uh, oftentimes diesel involved or and other things but you know farmers drive more especially during harvest and would stand to save a little more potentially uh depending on where they're purchasing the diesel if it's on farm or or on road Uh, however if the holiday lasted three months uh it would likely expire before harvest and limit the helpful impact uh to farmers so it's a really deep and wide conversation it's going on it's it's changing there's folks issuing opinions on this at every turn both officially and unofficially so uh, we'll continue monitoring, report back here as it develops, especially if if, if something official develops. Uh, and that is, uh, yeah, that's that. So, well, this is very interesting. I'm, <clears throat> I saw this uh, news uh, mm-hmm. pop up out also. And uh, um, <clears throat> it was this morning while I was eating breakfast and looking, I was seeing the, they had someone had put out a calculator. I don't remember which it might've been Fox news or something, but they, mm-hmm. they had a calculator for, you could, you know, pick your type of vehicle and it would show how much you could potentially save, mm-hmm. you know, when you're going to the, to fill up, you know, uh, each time you fill up mm-hmm. based on the, these numbers here, it, it's staggering. Um, but yeah. it, it would be very helpful, but yes, it would be great if they could expand this into, another program later in the year uh, yeah. when it, when it's going to be most impactful for, 
for farmers. Yeah, and there's different intricacies. So uh, I think I think farmer on road or on farm diesel is exempt anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so again, I say like it it would depend on where you buy your fuel, mm-hmm. um, how long they make that um, program, you know, the holiday, if they're going to do that. So yeah, it's, there's a lot to it. Um, we'll certainly continue to cover it. And, and, uh, I know, I know folks, you know, will enjoy any relief, absolutely. you know, that they can get <laughs> absolutely uh, right now. This is, this is a, a topic around just about every dinner table and water, water cooler. Yeah. So, all right. Well, do you have, I almost skipped it. I know. You would have been mad at me. I wouldn't have. Yeah. I wouldn't yeah, have. But I, I just wouldn't have. Our, you our know. listeners and viewers might have been. Do you have anything for this day in history? I got one. Okay. You know, there were a few, but the, the only one I thought was um, kind of worth mentioning for our crew because it's, you know, being in the industry that we're in, kind of what we like to do. Yeah. Um, not ag specific, but PR related, you know, okay. reporting kind of related. Okay. Um, and on this day. I'm trying to guess. <laughs> On this day, it was an invention. Okay. Um, it was okay. A, a patent was granted in 1868. American inventor Christopher Latham Scholes and two others were granted a patent for the camera. Nope. <sighs> nope. <laughs> uh, I have one more guess. A microphone. No. Okay. What is it? Typewriter. Oh. God, I was a typewriter, 1868. Okay. Typewriter. So, you know, that's pretty cool. It is cool. You know, I'm in this a few years ago. Somebody declared that there's between like uh, Gen X and Millennial, there's a small micro generation that they labeled Xennial, which is like half raised analog, half digital. Mm -hmm. So, like, Mm -hmm. you know, Gen X are like, you know, type their papers on typewriters and yeah. millennials on computers, you know? Yeah. So I'm, I'm square. There's like four, I think it's four years, maybe five years, mm-hmm. uh, that qualify for this generation. And that's me. Like I literally hauled around a little typewriter, yeah. like in probably up to fifth grade. Yeah. And if I had to, t- you know, submit assignments when I was, you know, in, in elementary and, and middle school, you know, I would, I would have to, I type them on a typewriter. Oh yeah. I remember I'd, sitting at my grandmother's table, kitchen table. Yeah. And you know. I learned to type on one. I mean, it was, it was yeah. a old school typewriter, you know? Yep. I was trying to explain to my daughter the other day, encyclopedias. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. you know, what? we had a collect, you know, my grandparents had a collection of world book encyclopedias. And yep. if you wanted to look something up, you, yep. you know, dogs, you go pull the D out and, all right, fun story time with Grandpa. Uh, sorry for that. We're showing our age here. Oh, well, I am. For sure, I am. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> I promise not to Fun go stuff. Off. I like it. I should really. It's see, good. I need a vacation. I'm just it, rambling about all kinds of stuff. You know, Stanley Hill's eating this kind of stuff up. You know, oh, yeah. Is, so. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, he is. All right, well, before I ramble on about anything else i guess we should wrap up the news for the week <laughs> i'll tell you thanks for following along with the arkansas adcast we're grateful for you taking the time to watch and listen uh every week 
Yeah, and remember that uh, you can catch this live stream every Thursday at 2 p.m. on Facebook, YouTube. Make sure that you turn on your notifications to get the alerts when we do go live. Yep. You can listen to the audio version later on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today, uh, the Arkansas Adcast is brought to you by the Arkansas Farm Bureau. And today it's hosted by me, Jason Brown, and uh, our co-host and producer, Brian Pistol. And uh, where our show is also produced by myself and yeah. uh, Mac- Matthew Magdafrau. And yep. uh, we uh, we miss having him around today. He's I know. Down, he wasn't down here He's today. playing hooky. He's off editing or something. Yeah, I know. He's busy. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in. Yep. Yep.